The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. Basketball Society. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of The Atlantic Files, brought to you by BasketballSocietyOnline.com and the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. And before we get into it, we just have some news for you guys. The Atlantic Files, as well as the Basketball Society Podcast, are both on Spotify now. So whenever you go to Spotify to start listening to your music, make sure you search Atlantic Files Hit that follow button. You'll get all of our new episodes. Make sure you do that right now or after this episode. We are now on Spotify. So getting into this week, we have a special guest with us, a diehard big-time Knicks fan since the Stefan Marbury trade, Glenn Johnston. What's going on, Glenn? Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Ah, glad to have you on, man. And of course, we are wrapping up our year in review series with none other than the New York Knicks. So obviously, uh, plenty of you guys have, you know, seen how the Knicks season has went. We know the kind of path that they're on, especially with all of the tanking talk going on for the last like five, six, seven years. So we brought in Glenn. We're going to talk some good Nick stuff. So let's start it off with obviously our initial thoughts as we have before. And Mike, I'll let you go unless you want to defer to Glenn or which, whichever one of you guys want to go first on this one. Oh, no, I, I want to stick the knife in first. So here, here we go. So <laughs> what, what a season it was for the Knicks. Uh, they lost Christoph Porzingis in a trade. Dennis Smith's okay. He got some first round picks. Then they were all Knicks fans were here picturing a day, the day of Kevin Durant signing, Kyrie Irving signing, getting the first overall pick for Zion Williamson, and they got none of it. They uh, they won 17 games, and their free agency included signing four power forwards. Uh, they do have R.J. Barrett, Maple Mamba, which I'm a big fan of. I personally thought he was the best player in the draft, even though I know everyone loves Zion. But... Uh, that's really all the Knicks have going for them right now. I, I, they're going to just be in another down year. They're not going to compete for a playoff spot as, you know, nobody's going to predict that. Uh, but, hey, Dennis Smith Jr., uh, Mitchell Robinson, Kevin Knox, R.J. Barrett, got a nice little young lineup going. But it, it was a as a Nets fan, it was a great year to see what the Knicks did this year because they did absolutely nothing. Uh, Glenn, I know – you uh, you live and die by the Knicks. Um, I want to hear your thoughts, though, as a diehard Knicks fan, how you feel post-2019. Okay, okay. Well, we know what this league has turned into, right? If you're a good enough player and you don't want to play somewhere, you could force your way out. So with the Chris Tapp straight, I truly believe that it needed to be done. And the Knicks said, okay, we're going to try to spin this into somewhat of a positive. Or, or anything but a net negative. So we said, all right, we're going to clear our, our cap, and we're going to make a legitimate, at the time, I think it was a legitimate play into free agency, clearing two max spaces. And now I think at this point, I think players 
with two max spaces on this on this Knicks team. We have I know you guys were were very early on Mitchell Robinson. Shout out you guys. You guys called them early. Uh, um, there's some good young players here. So I think the Knicks had a legitimate claim to bring in two max contracts. Now, fast forward right before the draft, the Nets, I, I give all credit to the Nets. Clearing Allen Crabb, getting that extra max slot, I think now was a legitimate claim to be the best team in New York with the Knicks prior to this. Now Kyrie and KD can say, okay, look, the Nets are better set up to win now. So now they're the more flashy option. So I I, get, I I don't think it was a bad move by the Knicks, that trade. It didn't work out. Whatever. But now with this extra cap, what do they do? Okay. They miss out on the major free agents. So they sign all these guys to team-friendly contracts. All these Everybody, power forwards. Power, I mean, hey, Julius Randle could play four or five. Marcus Morris, he could play your three or four. Taj Gibson, four or five. These guys, like... The the four power forward claim, I, I I think it's a it's a little lazy. It's like a little you know, nice easy little jab at the Knicks. But think about it. Okay, so we have all these guys other than Julius Randle. We have them on a one plus one, meaning that it's a one one year and then a team option. So technically, technically, we how crazy this NBA seasons have been. Anthony Davis is technically a free agent next year. God. Okay, <laughs> who knows what happens a year from now. So we have all these guys on Bobby Portis, 15 mil this year, uh, team option next year. Alfred uh, uh, Payton, like eight mil, same thing. We have we we can now cut them and make a play next year, or if they outplay their contract, bring them on for next year, and then we're players in the in the Giannis Antetokounmpo free agency pool. So I I think we finally have direction here. I mean, we do forget that the Knicks were like top two or three in on Bovada Sportsbook's odds to get both Kevin Durant and Kawhi Leonard just right before the real whole offseason kicked off. So, I mean, the fact that Anthony Davis is a free agent, the fact that Giannis is one like at that point in time, it it's possible but that's a that's a lot riding on just a possibility. I understand. Uh, no, I let me ask understand. you. Let me ask you something, Glenn. Yeah. Do you, do you know the term insanity? <laughs> yes. Yes. What it means is when you keep doing the same yeah. thing and you think other uh, the outcome is going to change. But this but this is not the same thing. I'm, well, I'm no, it's, you, it's not. You went from Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant to now the Knicks are going to be in play for Giannis Antetokounmpo and Anthony Davis. Right, but what would have been same old Knicks? I'd rather what they did this offseason than what Charlotte did, giving Terry Rozier that contract. No, oh, of course. The uh, Suns giving, I don't throwing money and, and seeing what will stick. To, to be fair, no, to be fair, uh, give the Knicks credit for this. I think they learned from Brooklyn. Um. You, you get like you said. You get these guys on these team-friendly deals. If Alfred Payton sucks, who cares? If Marcus Morris sucks, who cares? Right. I like the Julius Randle pickup. I think Julius Randle is a good player. I think he's a good complementary piece to a, a superstar. Like if if, if Julius Randle is your second option, I don't think that's the the end of the world. I do not think Julius Randle can lead a team. But if R.J. Barrett ends up being the star that I think he will be, 
I don't see Julius Randle as a problem there. Like I said, Knox, Randle, Robinson, Barrett, that's a solid core right there. But like, but you're going to have to add to it. You're going to have to get another top five draft pick this year. You're going to have to bring in a big-time free agent. I do not think it's going to be Antetokounmpo or Anthony Davis, but you're going to have to bring in somebody. The Knicks, for sure. right, the Knicks right now I think are set up good for the future. Yes, the, the next couple of years, maybe this year and next year, are going to be rough. They might not win 25 games in either of those seasons, but – the, there's two ways, like you've said, there's two ways to get good in the NBA. Build with superstar free agency or through the draft. I think the Knicks have a better chance through the draft because they haven't proven to us in 20 years that they could go sign a marquee free agent outside of Amari Stoudemire, who had bad knees at the time. It'll be interesting. I, I, the Nets made the rebuild in five years. I think the Knicks can do it even faster, but things got to go right. Right, and and – Adding on to that, what I think also um, what I what I liked about the specific guys they're signing, it it seems to me that they're creating a culture. I mean, you're signing guys like Marcus Morris, Bobby Portis, Taj Gibson. You're signing guys that they got that edge to them. So the Bobby Portis that punched his teammate in practice, that's the culture. Hey, hey, but, but <laughs> you want toughness. Okay. Uh, toughness. <laughs> You, let's, you let's want bring, grit. You want let's grit. bring it. Let's bring it back to the nineties. Let's get that toughness again. Oh, you want to create you wanna, a culture. You want to brawl in the uh, the malice in the palace point two part two. No, but but these guys are going to play hard every night, and I think you get that feeling uh, around MSG. I think these guys they're, they're not going to win a ton of games, but they're going right. to they're going to they're going to be maybe semi competitive. Uh, maybe fighting for a bottom playoff seed, and they're going to be entertaining. They're going to care. They're going to come out every night and play. And I think that's that's starting there. I think you're starting to create a culture. And then when well, you bring the young guys up like Mitchell Robinson, R.J. Barrett, that's that's they're gonna they're gonna continue that culture. So so Alex, he said they they they're going to be competitive and compete for a playoff spot. Just looking at the Atlantic Division odds on Bavada. There's four teams with between minus 165 and plus 600. That'd be the Sixers, Celtics, Nets, and Raptors. And then you got the New York Knicks, 15 plus 15,000. That's like the equivalent <laughs> if four teams were playing basketball in New York and the Knicks were playing basketball in Milan. That's how far <laughs> off the map they are. Hey, I I, I said they, they could be semi-competitive. I could see them. The Westchester Knicks might win a division title. Who so so who do, who do you have at the bottom of the the, uh, the bottom of these? The New York Knicks gaming won the the NBA 2K title. Look at that! I told you, building a culture, <laughs> building a winning culture. Uh, who do I have at the bottom of the East? I got Cleveland, Chicago, got Chicago. I've got New York, and like, I mean, maybe Washington. Probably. Let's see what happens with Bradley Beal. Um, but definitely Cleveland, Charlotte, Chicago, and and uh, Washington uh, with the Knicks. Those are the bottom five teams. Uh, you know what? I think Chicago is actually going to surprise some people this year. So I'll put the bottom five teams as the Knicks, Wizards, Hornets, Cavs, and somebody we're not expecting is going to suck. Detroit or Orlando? Detroit, Orlando, Detroit, Atlanta. Atlanta, I like Atlanta's young core. I think the Knicks and Atlanta do have a promising young core. Uh, I'll give them that. The other teams, I don't. Hornets don't have a core. Cleveland's got two point guards, and that's it. 
The Wizards are a mess. Detroit's going to be a mess. Chicago, Atlanta, and the Knicks, I think, are the three best, like, young, up-and-coming cores in the Eastern Conference. I'll give them that. I will give you this, that Las Vegas does pretty much agree with you. Uh, According to Bovada, uh, the 2020 Eastern Conference odds to win the two worst, which I think is a little surprising. The Knicks are not the two worst. It is Cleveland at plus 15,000 and Charlotte at plus 15,000. And then it's Detroit at plus 10,000. And then Chicago, New York, and Washington are all at plus 8,000. Yeah, I, I mean, the bottom of the East is going to be awful this year. Uh, but but like I said, the Bull, I'm looking at the same odds you're looking at. The Bulls, the Knicks, and the Hawks have the three best young, like young, right. under 23-year-old cores. So those True. teams can, if those teams gel early and and develop earlier than expected, yeah. I could see the Knicks, as crazy as this sounds, I could see the Knicks fighting for an eighth seed. That's that's all That's all I'm saying. But I don't think it's likely. I think they'll be in the 11 to 12 range, which is not, hey, when you not won fair. 17 games last year, if you right. can go from 17 to 27, you're following the Brooklyn Net model. Sean Marks is laying the groundwork for NBA teams. You can never go broke if you're always making a profit. That's what I always say. There you go. There you go. (laughs) I mean, the the only thing I'm surprised about in that, though, is Detroit being so low, seeing that they still do have Blake Griffin, Andre Drummond, and Reggie Jackson. Um, Right. I think that they're going – That's important. Yeah, I I think they're definitely going to be like in the mix for that eighth seed. I'm surprised they're that low, but I agree with Mike about Atlanta. I really like Atlanta. I've never liked Orlando, so the only time I'm going to like Orlando is if Markel Fultz makes some sort of comeback because I'm still hanging on to that prediction from last year. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean that that is the big thing about the the Bulls. Knicks and the Hawks I mean they have some of the best young cores um the Wizards are just like literally one trade away from the bottom of the the whole league uh if you get Beal out of there the whole thing sinks because John Wall can't even stay healthy um Mm -hmm. but yeah I mean as so one of my worries though for the Knicks is you know when it gets to this point you know when the Sixers did it when Brooklyn was doing it um, they were giving those young up-and-comers a lot of playing time. The thing that worries me is they got all of these these power forwards, these centers, whatever. I just really hope they don't take playing time away from guys like Mitchell Robinson because these are the guys that should be playing as much as possible right now so that when you do get these free agents or get some more you know big-time picks, they're ready to go. That's my only worry about what's going on right now with those kind of pickups. Right. Uh, yeah, I 100% agree. Um, Mitchell Robinson, I mean, we, we all saw he was very – he has the talent. He was very raw last year. I mean, even even look at him early this summer. I, he, he got five fouls in, in about ten minutes. Right. So uh, he needs he needs to play more. Um you're gonna be sacrificing. You, you probably will be sacrificing, you know, more wins playing him instead of starting, you know, like a Taj Gibson or. But you, he needs to develop. This needs to be the main focus of this team. It's not winning a championship. It's not trying to be the most competitive. Um, it should be development, but 
then again, like the more they play, like Mike said, they get in a groove. I, they can surprise some people, make great strides forward. Glenn, let me ask you something. Um, French Frank, what do yeah. you have? You given up on him? Do you think that him and him and uh, Dennis Smith Jr. could be like a um, like a, what D'Angelo Russell and and not that they're the same type of players, but like D'Angelo Russell and Spencer Dinwiddie, one guy started, one guy came off the bench. They kind of complemented each other well. Do you think that that could still develop into like you know Dennis Smith's the point guard of the future? French Frank could be you know a six man off the bench for them. What is your take on? Uh, I mean, he's still young. What is he? 20, 20, 21 yeah. years old. Yeah. Frank Frank is what twenty years old. Twenty one. So, yeah, twenty or twenty one. He's it's it's way too early to 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 throw in the towel. I mean, has he made the progress that I think we all hope for? Picking him what seventh? No, he he has not. But you can't give up on a guy that's that's twenty. And in a year like this, where you know you're you're not really going to compete, you, you got to give him a chance. Sure. I mean, same thing with Kevin Knox. Kevin Knox. Uh, I mean, some of his stats from last season. He he uh, historically bad for rookies in in uh, true shooting percentage and all that. But the guy is twenty years old. You got it. You got to let him. You know, get into the flow of things. Uh, get used to playing what eight two games a season. Like you can't give up on these guys so early. It's it, these are guys that that they you you see the potential. It's you got to take flyers on these guys. I think it's become more common in this day and age to just be like after one one and a half two seasons, it's like nope, this guy's done. Next, like. There's plenty of guys who like really need some time to develop, and that's that's also why we see some guys that you know come out uh, and are have a better NBA career that stay in college for four years, so, because like some of these guys do need those those extra years to really get up to speed with everything. Sometimes it doesn't click for guys until the fourth or fifth year. Um, I, I think the big thing with Frank is the good thing is that he is playing for France in the World Cup that's starting, I think, in the next couple of days. Um, I think that's going to be big time for him, you know, really getting uh, that competition even more so before the NBA season starts. Um, and this is like, over the last couple of seasons, it was like, all right, let's see where he's going to grow. I think this season is his, you know, like, all right, put it all out on the line. Let's see what you got. Like, let's see where we can go forward with you kind of thing. Not saying it's a make-or-break season for him, like that it'll be out of the NBA, but for the Knicks at least, it's like, all right, let's see. Are you a building block that we need going forward, or will you be just a piece on a rotation that, you know, a team might need an extra point guard for, uh, like, playoff contention or whatever? Um, I think that's this season is, is going to be that kind of definition for him. Oh, he's he's got to show something this season. Absolutely well, has to. And, and here's the thing um, for the Knicks, uh, and I think, yes, the hype, the the excitement of Zion Williamson would have been great, but a thing I think about R.J. Barrett that will help this young Knicks team grow is R.J. Barrett, unlike Zion Williamson, is a guy that you could put the ball in his hands and let him run that that uh you know run that like James Harden, where he's not the point guard. And I'm not saying he's going to be James Harden as a rookie. That's not what I'm getting at. But you can let R.J. Barrett 
be your playmaker as well as your go-to scorer. So guys like Kevin Knox, who can shoot the ball, usually can shoot the ball. He didn't have a great shooting year last year. But, you know, where he could shoot the ball, or Mitchell Robinson can look for lobs and crash the boards, and Frank Nikitalina hasn't been a great playmaker in his first couple of years. You let these guys now take the pressure off them, put the ball in R.J. Barrett's hands, I think you're going to see a step forward from Kevin Knox. I think you're going to see a step forward from French Frank. Um, I, uh, Mitchell Robinson, I don't know how much more of an offensive game he could develop. I think yeah. with more playing time, with more comfortability, he'll go from an eight-point-a-game score to a 12-13 point-a-game score. I don't know if he's much more than that, but the guy I look at him to compare to is DeAndre Jordan, and DeAndre Jordan was never a 17-18, 20-point-a-game scorer. I was going to say um, Rudy Gobert, but that works too. But yeah, Rudy Gobert is the same way, where he's like he scores 12 points a game, but he gets 13 rebounds and three blocks. I think that's what Mitchell Robinson's upside is. But I think R.J. Barrett, being the guy who's going to probably have the ball in his hands a lot, and a guy who can score but also look to create, it's going to open up offense for for the Knicks. And I, I do, I know I was ragging on them in the in the beginning, but in all seriousness, I do think the Knicks have a bright future ahead of them, and I do think that you're going to see them, you're going to see some of their young players really develop this year. Yeah, yeah, and and that's that's the thing with with Frank. Um, it's it seems at times he's timid and and he doesn't you know doesn't take what take the shots when they're given to him. RJ, we're gonna we're gonna know. Like RJ is gonna have some great games. And he's gonna have some uh, terrible shooting games, but he's going to keep to keep taking his shots, keep getting his looks, and uh, we're we're gonna find out if we got if we got a player. Yeah, because before before R.J. Barrett, you had Dennis Smith Jr., who's a combo guard. You have Kevin Knox, who's a wing, and you have French Frank, who clearly doesn't have it yet as a point guard. So you have three guys that all, like, people are looking at to be, you know, a big-time player, but none of them fit right now as that, like, go-to guy and that, that guy that can help run the team. I think with R.J. Barrett, it gives you that more defined person that, like, all right, he's our guy. Everyone play off of him. Right. Um, and I don't think you should force those other guys into that role. Like, at times, Kevin Knox seemed like he had to – he felt like he had to keep shooting and taking the shots and, and running the floor. But it's like, you know, having RJ there, taking the ball, like, bring the ball up and stuff, it's, it's only going to help Knox to feed off that. And I think that's where Knox is going to make his, his stand in the NBA. Yeah. I mean, and, I mean, I, I will give uh... – Frank this is that he does have the one skill that really is something you can't teach and that's defense right um I, like he has definitely proven himself to be a very very good on ball defender um as we saw in that one uh the one game against James Harden um and you know they have the confidence in him to put him on some of the the opposing team's best offensive players so that's i mean that speaks volumes in and of itself so the whole offensive game is something that you know is definitely something you can learn more of uh rather than you know the opposite um but yeah i mean i agree that rj barrett gives you that guy that's like this is the centerpiece now everyone is going off of that um because yeah, Mike, like you said, Dennis Smith Jr., he's a combo guard. I would not put Dennis Smith Jr. as the centerpiece of a team. Like, he's not a Russell Westbrook. He's not the guy who is going to get you triple doubles, dish out crazy assists, all that kind of stuff. He's a guy who's going to 
produce some electrifying moments. He's going to shoot, you know, around the league average, and you know he'll he'll make some plays here and there. Um, Frank, they obviously wish the playmaking part was there already. It's not there yet, but he'll be your defender, your like Patrick Beverly esque kind of guy, and and then you have Kevin Knox, who I think is set up to be a great second option. I think right. he's set up like his to me his upside is a guy like Tobias Harris on the Sixers. Like he's he's that guy that you know that wing scorer that'll be able to score from all different levels of the floor and you know give you the the different looks when you need that scoring option but he's not the guy who's going to be the primary ball handler the playmaker and all that on top of it so I think RJ Barrett definitely gives them something they haven't had in a while um, and, and this is going to be something that, you know, really is going to play big into the future of the Knicks, especially if R.J. Barrett is even close to, you know, what everyone expects him to be. Yeah, I agree. I 100% agree. Now, agree. now what? Go you go. You, go. you can go. Go ahead. No, like, like you said, I think it's only going to help Kevin Knox's development into what he he's best – fitted for in the NBA. He shouldn't be the primary ball handler running the offense. He should be feeding off somebody else, getting getting kicks in the corner, getting um, you know, late uh trailers. I, I I just think that's where he's best fitted in the NBA. Now let me ask you guys, it's kind of like a, a prop bet kind of thing. Who makes their first career three pointer first? Oh God. Mitchell Robinson? Or Ben Simmons. <laughs> ben Simmons. Yeah, Ben Simmons. Uh, you never know. It seems like everybody's working <laughs> uh, yeah. on their shooting. Every ability. every episode, something goes back to Ben Simmons shooting threes with you. <laughs> well, that's what I what happens when you tag me in these videos of him making three pointers with nobody in his face. He had guys in his face that whole clip that I just sent you. What was he playing? Yeah, guys the- guys at the YMCA. Yeah, what was he? Was he playing against Glenn? Not the most recent one. The most recent one, there were some NBA players in there. I'm not saying there were superstars. Yeah, but... Joakim Noah is a real big uh, NBA player now. <laughs> hey, Joakim wants to double team in open runs, so let yeah, the guy he can't live. guard anyone himself. I I'm curious what what is your guys' stance on on that whole argument? Um. For the for the I mean, people for the people who don't know, this is the clip with Devin Booker when he got double teamed uh, when they when they had the open runs and um, Booker was like, "I'm trying to work on things. There shouldn't be any double teams in an open run." And Joakim Noah's like, "It's a, like we're trying to get better, so why wouldn't you double team?" So, Being honest, I love I love Joakim Noah's stance on that. I mean, come on, I I, I get it, Devin Booker. You want to work on your game. You want to. You want to get better. Are you not going to see doubles in the NBA? I mean, he's supposed to be this great scorer playing out in Phoenix. He right. better be getting double. Right. Make a play. Make a play. Yeah, I don't I don't hate it. Uh, like Devin Booker said, he gets double teamed all season long. Like, he doesn't want to see it now. But it's like, yeah, unless you're playing the Clippers where they have Leonard and, and Paul George, like, every team's going to double you because they can't guard you. Like, granted – yeah, you know, I I don't think he should be getting doubled in a corner in a pickup game. It's like, dude, come on, you know. But you know, if he goes to make a move, yeah, I, I'm fine with the double team. I think in that instance, 
yes, the whole let's double the guy in the corner. It's like, dude, come on, like. I don't you, hate that. Uh, I don't either. I don't hate the double. I don't hate the double game. I don't hate the double team. It's that double and I'm in the corner thing. It's like, dude, like you know, we're not playing basketball like organized with like you know where we're like running sets and I'm ever gonna catch the ball in this position and like not have any like it's different. I don't mind the double team. I just I I, I understand is the I I what I'm trying to say is I agree with him getting mad at a double team in the corner. Okay. I, my my thing is that um I think I think it was Gilbert Arenas who commented on it and said Gilbert like Arenas comments on everything. Uh, well, yeah, yeah, that he does. That That's he does. true. But he was saying how he was like, "Look, we all know you're a great offensive player one on one. Like we've already seen, no one can really stop Devin Booker one on one except for maybe like Kawhi Leonard. So." Now, since everyone's double teaming you, Gilbert Arenas is like master, master your moves out of a double team, and then you will literally be unstoppable. It could only help him. Exactly. It's that, not, like if he he could work on his game by getting doubled, like it's it's only going to help him going into the season. Exactly, and and like he said, he gets doubled all season. So if you're working on that in these open runs, then you're more prepared for when it happens in the season. Right. Would you rather <laughs> just shoot around than, than just shoot around? Exactly. Let someone else let someone else take your spot. Go ahead, shoot around the other court. Yeah, then play like one-on-one if you want to work right. on one-on-one moves. Right. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. So going back to the Knicks. Um, so we've been talking about uh, them winning the division and everything. According to Bovada, the odds for them to win the whole championship – is plus twenty thousand, which again is not the worst odds throughout the league. The there Great are f- value. What was that? Great value. <laughs> exactly. I mean, hey, if you put like five bucks down, you never know. You, yeah. Anything could happen. Um, yeah. But the 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 four teams below them are the Wizards, Hornets, Cavs, and speaking of Devin Booker, the Phoenix Suns. Um. So, it, like, there's obviously enough uh i would say prospects in what rj barrett is going to bring when you know you have all of these places you know at least not having them at the bottom of the barrel with how long they've been there in recent seasons um so uh, what do you i know we've been talking about they could fight for a playoff spot they could you know um get up like right near the eighth seed and everything. But so if you guys had to make some predictions, where do you see them finishing in win total wise? And where do you see RJ Barrett finishing stat wise and rookie of the year wise? I think RJ Barrett is it's he's, uh, he's volatile. I think, I think he's either going to put up 17 points a game and shoot well, or or he's going to put up 12 points a game shooting. 36 percent i think he's going to take his shots and he's just he's just going to try to get as many shots up as he could um but if i had to make a prediction i'd say he's around what 15 16 points a game shooting around 40 percent i would like to see that three-point percentage go up okay okay um i'm yeah i'm kind of agreeing with glenn i'm gonna take the uh the higher end of that spectrum. I think he's going to give you like 16 points a game, four, four and a half assists, maybe four and a half rebounds. 
Um, I think I do think he's a better shooter than his college numbers indicated. Right. There was um, no spacing on that Duke team. Um, so I do I do see think you'll see an uptick in 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 terms of uh, his his effectiveness. Um, in terms of record for the Knicks, I'm gonna give them a 24 and 58 record. Is that yeah? 24 and 58. I think that'll be bottom four in the Eastern Conference. And uh, Glenn will be, you know, lining up all those good luck charms, hoping, <laughs> hoping for uh, Cole Anthony or or <clears throat> Anthony Edwards or whoever the top projected pick is going to be that next year. Um, I don't know who it is yet. I haven't looked, but you know, I, that's my prediction for the Knicks. Alex, what about you? Uh, I mean, I'm I'm pretty much around the same ballpark. I think I'm gonna give them about 22 wins, just because. I, like I want them I mean I want them to play the young guys more I don't know if they will or not but uh, I think that you know seeing as this is a season where it's not plausible that they're going to really even if they do grab an eighth seed they're not going to get far with anything so um, I, I see them just you know really experimenting with a lot of different lineups a lot of different people I see them probably signing a lot of 10-day contracts once those open up as well maybe testing some people out on like uh you know, making trades for the buyout market and everything like that. So I think there's just going to be a lot of like a, it's going to be like a, a rotating door with a lot of them. So I, I see it about 22 wins. So I, th- I think they'll be like bottom three in the East. Um, and yeah, I mean, they'll, they'll definitely be in the mix for a, a big time draft pick. Um, and I mean, if I'm being honest, I think Cole Anthony would definitely be one of the best ones cause they need a point guard. So, um, that'd be nice. No, knowing the Knicks, I know, knowing the Knicks, we all know who it's going to be. It's going to be LaMelo ball. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> it's going to go from oh, 2.0. Oh boy. <laughs> I I mean we'll have to see how his uh how his you would, you would love it, Glenn. You know you would love Lamelo Ball in the Knicks. Hey, bring him if he can ball, bring him. <laughs> we'll have to see how his uh stint in Australia goes this season. Right. Uh, let's see how it really is. But I did I did want to touch on one person here. So someone that's been getting some workouts from Atlantic Division teams as well as some others is Joe Johnson of the big three as of right now. And um, as right, he was the MVP of the big three. He has the, he became the uh, all time leader in points in a season in the big three. I mean, it's only been three seasons, so it hasn't really been all that much, but um, he plays his big three championship tomorrow, Sunday. Uh, his team, according to Bavada is favored to win. They're minus minus one seventy five to win. Um, and so he's been getting workouts with professional teams. Do I, I know that uh, the Sixers were one of the teams in there. The Pelicans were a team. Um, I forget who the other couple teams were. But um, do you think that Joe Johnson has a place in the NBA? And which team do you think he would fit best with? See, if I'm a team, I don't want to sign a big three guy on my roster okay that's to be a scorer you know what i'm saying okay. i want to sign guys and th- for bench pieces that are going to fit a role defending the rim three and d guys i don't want to sign a guy that's going to 
have to have the ball in his hands, make a play. I mean, the guy could score. He does not belong in the big three. Right. I mean, he's he's so dominant in that league. But for me, am I gonna ha- want to have to run my offense, my my second second team offense through Joe Johnson in the NBA in 2019? No, that's no. a fair point. Hey, don't don't sleep on ISO Joe. I no, hate, but... he's 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 electric man. I like seven seven time All Star ISO Joe. No, I agree with Glenn here. Though. <laughs> I mean, he's kind of been out of the NBA in terms of like being a relevant player, and he, and for a few years now. I'm sure he's in better shape, and I'm sure he probably could still put up like a few points a game. But it's like Vince Carter, and obviously Vince Carter's a Hall of Famer, and Joe Johnson isn't. But it's kind of like Vince Carter at this point. Like you're not bringing in like the Hawks are not bringing in Vince Carter to like win them games. Bringing in Vince Carter for a development role. Hey, if if the Sixers bring in Joe Johnson and it helps Ben Simmons with his jump shot, that's a win-win. True. Yeah. And I no, mean, do I do I think a team will sign him? Absolutely. I could see the Lakers signing him 100%. I could see the Knicks signing him just because that's a Knicks No move. way. No <laughs> way. It's, this, this, this is, it's a new direction, man. Honestly, yeah. uh, with the workouts that he's had, I could I could see the Sixers signing him as like a, a just a bench scorer, um, especially when you have a guy like Ben Simmons who in the half court does need some help since he's not shooting. Um, but I could see the Pelicans doing it just for veteran presence too. A guy like Joe Johnson, who's been through the NBA, made his tenure in there, like done pretty much has done everything there is to do except win a championship. Um, uh, like he he could be a good guy to have around all of those young guys there. Um, and especially I know if you match up Brandon Ingram with Joe Johnson, and you know give Brandon Ingram some of the one on one moves that Joe Johnson had. I mean that can only get you get you better in terms of of Brandon Ingram right there. So so let me ask you this: You have to sign one person, Joe Johnson or Melo. Bring Melo back. Bring Melo. Bring Melo take... home, baby. Okay. I'll, I'll take Melo. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I just I like him as a fit better. If he if he if he humbles himself, a stretch four off the bench. I I love that fit. People forget. In the post post defense, players shoot like twenty percent against Melo career wise. His problem is guarding these these wings. He, I mean, he can't keep up with these wings anymore. You put him oh, at yeah. the four, man. I I like that off the bench. True. I mean, uh, we all have like we all know he can still score. That like that that is not the not a question at all. Um. Like, if he could – I remember someone saying – I forget where I heard it, but I remember someone saying, like, you know, we see all these workout videos, everything, and we see him continuously work on his offensive game, like, off the dribble. If he just worked on catch and shoot for, like, a good four months in a row. Yes. Love like, that. that's all – that would be it. Like, you would – you would substantially increase your chances of getting on a team because on teams like Oklahoma city and Houston, when he was on there, that was like the big thing they really needed him to do. And he just wasn't doing it at a high enough efficiency. Right. He's got to humble himself. Exactly. I mean, he, he, he could be a solid option if he just goes to that role, just catch and shoot. Exactly. Late kick guy in the corner, you know, and hey, if if we you know if the if the team needs a bucket late in the game and it's an ISO situation, 
Sure, I would still trust Mello with that because we know what Mello can do with ISO. Nobody is out there saying, oh, Mello can't can't win one-on-one anymore. Like, right. everyone who, who even says Mello's washed up, doesn't belong in the league, whatever, they're not going to say, oh, this guy can't get a bucket one-on-one. It's everything else. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, right. no, I agree with you guys. I would also pick Mello over Joe Johnson, but... uh. But yeah, it looks like that is it for us here. Glenn, appreciate you ha- having you on here. We we'll definitely have to bring you back on when uh, RJ Barrett and the Knicks start playing. We start getting to see uh, what this team can do. Yeah, I would love to follow up on that. <laughs> Thanks, Rodney. Uh, for sure, for sure. But uh, that is it for us, everybody. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Atlantic Files. Make sure you check out the podcast on spotify we are now there so make sure you hit that follow button as well as basketball society podcast the whole list of our podcasts all on one channel that is also on spotify so make sure you check out basketballsocietyonline.com check out all the cool things we've been up to also make sure you check out the other podcasts on the underdog sports podcast network as always thank you guys for listening and we'll catch you guys next week peace